0: everybody, welcome to another episode of Shock Treatment. I'm one of your hosts this evening, Mel, and we have my friend Maddie. Maddie, how are you doing over there?
1: How's the storm treating you guys? Eh, not too bad, not too bad. We got the wind blowing around a bit, some leaves and branches, you know, in, in, in the backyard. But for the most part, all's well, you know, nothing too serious. How about you?
0: Uh, I can't wait from work, I have no power. There's trees down everywhere because of where I am, it's like... Every time there's a storm we lose power, so I was not really surprised when I came in and didn't have any but it still sucks when you know you have to do a show tonight
1: <laughs> yeah no I hear you yeah it does kind of suck but it, it, gloomy weather for a gloomy episode of
0: Shock yeah Treatment
1: with our, our tribute episode to
0: scream legend John Saxon
1: legendary John Saxon for sure you know what I mean <clears throat> for, some of the, for, for some folks out there that might not know John Saxon, you know, uh, well, I mean, Mel, do you want to, should we give a brief little rundown of uh, the man himself, or do we want to get into, like, where well, we remember him first? Well, I
0: guess, I mean, for people that don't know who he is, his most memorable movies that come across to me would be Blood Beach and as Nancy's father in the original Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah but he appeared in over 200 roles in movies and TV in his more than a half a century long career that was like over seven decades. Oh, yeah. He made a screen debut in 1954 in an uncredited small roles in It Should Happen to You and Judge Coker as a star is born.
1: That's how it started back in the day. Like, back in the day was the only time when you could really be like a background actor and kind of make it, I feel, Uh, you know, there's a lot of background actors uh, in in our community, nothing wrong with that, of course, but I mean, with the back, you know, you you get into the habits of background, all you kind of end up doing is background work, which is kind of unfortunate, Um, but back in the day, you know, Johnny Saxon being proof one of that, um, you could work your way up. It's the same thing with, you know, big filmmakers starting off in the, the mailroom. I mean, there's there's hundreds of stories of people that started off in the mailroom of studios and kind of made their way to the uh, top of the food chain, you know what I mean? Yeah, um,
0: you know, while I was doing my research, I found out, you know, he was discovered by Henry Wilson, that was the talent agent that found him. Mm. Um he signed, um, I guess, this talent agent was, like, most famous for creating and representing Rock Hudson, who we all know was big at back in that time period, yeah. and he saw John Saxon on a magazine cover, which, from what I read, was kind of like a romance-type magazine, mm-hmm. and John Saxon was on the cover, and when Wilson saw the cover, he brought the, at the time, 16-year-old to southern california changed his name and launched his career yeah Isn't it a great which is kind of cool you know to think that oh hey look i'm on a magazine cover and look now i have a movie role
1: he's got a great look you know a very talented actor to begin with but he's that great look he can be dark he can he can play you know uh you know
0: lady, yeah he was a, he was a really good looking guy um, yeah. you know considering his age like He was a good-looking man. You can't argue that. So I can see why someone would be drawn to help him make a bigger career for himself.
1: Yeah, and he was, you know, he was a teen idol in his own right. So it's kind of like, what a career, you know what I mean? Because he even went, he was acting. I want to say up until the end, end. You know what I mean? Yeah, years, pretty much. Means.
0: I mean, he started in a television series called Medic in 1954 from Richard Boone. Mm-hmm. And and then, like, his first, like, substantial and credited role came in 1955 when he was uh, playing a juvenile delinquent and running wild. There's only
1: one way so. to run. That's wild. Wild. Back to reality.
0: <laughs> yeah right I I mean he's worked with some legendary people like he worked with Esther Williams in the Unguarded Moment in 1956 yeah. which was one of her, her, her dramatic roles mm-hmm. and I guess they marketed it based on him calling him an exciting new personality
1: they weren't kidding they were not kidding them one bit you know what I mean
0: I I think at the time they probably didn't think he would be. You know, I doubt anybody saw that he was going to be as big as he became, even if it wasn't always like the leading role in a movie.
1: And a very Cary Grant thing about him, I feel. You know, he's he's known for three big uh, three big horror films, Mad Mel. Are you familiar with those three fil- three big horror films?
0: He's actually got four.
1: If are they big? I'm are they all at are they right. pretty big? Um, pretty big to nine, pop in my head.
0: Yeah. I have 1974 Black Christmas. You got it. 1984 Nightmare on Elm Street.
1: Rest in peace, Bobby Clark. Rest in peace, Wes Craven. Yep.
0: 1994, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. And oh. in 1996, From Dusk Till Dawn.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's all great shit. That's all great stuff. There was one movie that got left out of the mix, an Italian yeah. horror film, directed by a, a certain Dario Argento. Mario,
0: Mario Bava, The Evil
1: Eye? No, but that's a good one as well. Yeah, he has a gigantic catalog of great stuff. Uh, Dario Argento's Tenebra is what, I'm th- what I was talking about.
0: Ah, uh, that's the one cool I'm missing. Guy.
1: Very cool for like that. That that all the Argento movies, I feel there there are certain moments that that kind of define those movies. And the defining moment in that movie for me is there's a big effect. Um, I think an arm gets chopped off, or I believe it's an arm chopped off.
0: Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, well, you
1: know, a lot of things get chopped off in those movies, so. Um, oh my god,
0: yeah If it was just an
1: arm, he got lucky And there's a beautiful wide shot of of, of the victim Kind of rolling across a wall That that always kind of stays with me uh, When I think of that film You know what I mean? I mean Yeah
0: but, And then, then another one that was super popular That's not even horror Yeah Was um, 1973, Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee Oh, huge um, Yeah, because um, I guess from uh, my research, John Saxon was a black belt in karate and Bruce Lee didn't like the person that was originally hired to do the role that ultimately John Saxon ended up playing. Yeah. Because the guy that initially had been cast was too tall and he didn't want somebody to be taller than him. Uh So he had them recast the role and John Saxon got the role.
1: Rightly so, rightly so. You know. I mean,
0: he was badass, because Enter the Dragon, like, my dad is big into kung fu movies, well, so... Well, yeah,
1: absolutely, you know, um, Enter the Dragon's a great movie uh, in the kung fu film, you know, those Bruce Lee films, you know, Bruce Lee kind They're of all got, awesome. got a little resurgence recently with um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, unfortunately, it was yep. a, kind of in a negative light where it was Bruce Lee's daughter, I think, chiming out, uh, you know, that uh, her dad wasn't painted in a good light, or she felt in a good light, you know what I mean? Which I thought it
0: was fine. And, 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 yeah, which unfortunately, too, you know, when you're reading things to do research and, you know, you see something being said about, you know, this role had to be recast because he didn't want the other person doing it because he was taller and he didn't want someone taller than him in the role. Wow. Kind of makes you sound like a diva.
1: Well, absolutely. More than kinda. Uh, you hear that a lot, you know what I mean? You hear stuff like that a lot, which yeah. is funny. You know, Cap- like, there,
0: there probably should have been a lot of Snickers on set to get through it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Legendary role in Captain Pearson in uh, Blood Beach, like you brought up earlier in the show, you know, that was very big for him. That was good times. And
0: then, like, in 1958, he established himself as a supporting player in a With Pictures when he was in Blake Edwards' comedy, This Happy Feeling with Debbie Reynolds. And then, you know, in 1958, I, I'm going to slaughter this name, Vincent Minnelli. Yeah. The reluctant, he was in The Reluctant Debutant with Rex Harrison and Andrew J And, you know, back in the 50s, there isn't anybody that wouldn't know who... Rex Harrison or Sandra D are. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm pretty sure that his name got out there by appearing in the film with them as well.
1: One movie I'd like people to check out that they probably haven't seen, um, where, the, the, you know, the late, great John Saxon plays Phil Adamson is a 1979 film by David Cronenberg called Fast Company. Now, this isn't quite a horror film. Um, it's actually a movie about racing, uh, race cars, and you know uh, don't turn off the the show just yet but it doesn't sound like something that you, you, you might get into but that's how i felt about it and i bought it cuz i think i found a used cheap somebody else must have bought it and not uh, not appreciated it um i thought it was really 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 good uh it's probably right up there with probably one of my in my top 3 or top 5 favorite cronenberg films um definitely like nothing else He's done. It doesn't have that weirdness that his films are known for. You know what I mean? But um yeah, yeah. John's in that, and that and Fast Company is a is a great watch. I think Blue Underground put it out. Uh I don't know if it ever got a Blu Ray release. I know it has a DVD release, so.
0: Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, it's not one I'm familiar with. So you know, there's always there's always movies when we talk about somebody during a tribute show where we've seen some of them, and then there's others that we've never even watched because even going through all his movies, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I'm reading through it, and I love movies that are like period pieces. Yeah, and because he was fluent in Italian, he made his first picture in Italy in Augustino in 1962 and then the other one I had brought up earlier uh, Mario Bava's the evil eye in mm-hmm. 1963 so. because he was fluent in Italian so he was like oh let me bring you know this skill into it and you know just brought in you know my roles because who's not gonna hire somebody that can speak another language to appear in their films? you know Spanish people are doing it more and more these days where, you know, they start in Spanish films and then they cross over to American films. So what's the problem with starting in American films and then crossing over to Italian films or French films or, you know, what have you. Yeah. I
1: think American films kind of looked at it in a higher light, I think to a degree, just because it's Hollywood, you know what I mean? Legitimate Hollywood, Hollywood, you know, I think other, other places strive for that, you know what I mean? A little bit, um, But, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I think I just lost track of where I was going. (laughs) I think I just lost my mind a little bit, but it's all right. What was I
0: saying? Um, about the Hollywood films and crossing over from, like, one
1: language to another. What did you say before that, though? What was the element? that brought me there.
0: Oh, you know, like, how now everybody does that, you know, like Spanish actors oh, or yeah. actresses, they'll start with the Spanish films and then they'll gain their popularity doing the Spanish films and then cross over to American films and then you yeah. were starting to talk about how, you know, American films are appreciated more due to the fact well, that, you know, it's Hollywood.
1: Yeah, because it's the creme de la creme. They all kind of, I think from all, all, every country, they all kind of I think that the overall end game where they'd like to be is Hollywood. You look at like a Jackie Chan type situation, you know what I mean? Worked his way all the way here, you know what I mean? Big deal, big deal over there, became a big deal over here. Big deal worldwide, you know? It's almost like if you can make it in America, you can make it anywhere. It's that saying, you know what I mean? Um, Yeah, and
0: you see a lot of that. So, obviously, if he is able to be an actor for the period of time he was he was doing something right you don't stay in the business for that long a period of time if you're not good at what you do
1: no, i agree you know in 1987 john saxon reprised his role as uh, in, in a certain film in a certain film do you know what film that would be reprised his role he reprised his role um, Nightmare on Elm Street, part three. You got it,
0: baby. You got it. Nice. You know what I mean? And another little trick, uh, well, not trick, but trivia question. He started four films that featured the word blood. Do you know what they are?
1: Um, blood Salvage, Blood Beach, Blood... You're kind of close with the buh buh I got those first two.
0: I got those... Hmm. Blood Beast from Outer Space Whoa. in 1965, in 1966, Queen of Blood 1980, Blood Beach in 1990, Blood Salvage.
1: I had Blood
0: Beach and Blood
1: Salvage. You got to give me that.
0: Yes, you did, and you had blood, but you just didn't have the outer space part.
1: <laughs> well, that was that was for a different language. From when I'm in uh, I'm in different countries acting. You
0: know what I mean. Yeah, that's, that's that's the Pig Latin that we learned how to speak in second grade coming out to help us.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Saxon has been a part of a lot of, you know, low-budget um, horror films that some people might look at and say, you know, this isn't the best horror film. You know what I mean? Um, with saying that, I It's might... not the
0: best, but, but he was willing to... Put his name with the film, so there must have been something that drew him into it. Because otherwise, even if it was a crappy movie, why else would he do
1: it? Now he also he he had he directed one film in his whole career, and I own this film. I own this film on uh, on a DVD. I forget who put it out, but the cover is uh, you know gloriously memorable. Um, the movie's called Zombie Death House. Uh, I believe it's just called Death House in some places, and it is, it's is—it's about a, like a haunted prison type deal, so I, it makes me wonder if your boy's movie, Death House, was like a reboot
0: of the John Saxon film. I've never seen it, so I'm not sure, but that, that gives me a question to ask now.
1: You've never seen to this To look Death further house,
0: into right? it. I've seen this one.
1: But I haven't seen the newer one And you've seen the newer one But you haven't seen this one right
0: Yeah okay. exactly But like I don't know what the premise of His version is But yeah. like in um In Harrison's version of Death House um, Gunnar Hansen obviously had originally penned that yeah. And Harrison finished it So that they could And you know I, I guess it was like a promise or something To finish the film and get it out there for people to see so that was like his whole goal with it. But like the whole story um, for his version of, or, and Garner's version of Death House was um, trying to escape a prison and avoiding the five evils who lived in the basement of the prison. Yeah. Um, and the way the design of the prison looked kind of reminded me of the hive in Resident Evil. Yeah. The way it was structured and the way they had to get in and out of this building. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a few movies that it reminded me of that I have seen, but now that you bring up this film, it makes me want to see it and see if there's any relations between the two.
1: <laughs> well, if I remember correctly, this, this zombie death house was about, like, a scientist or somebody did, like, it, it was doing experiments on inmates and uh, trying to turn them into, like... Uh, uh, like like war machine zombies of, uh, of something almost like uh, almost like in the Beastmaster type thing Don Coscarelli's the Beastmaster with Mark Singer yeah and
0: Whatever. um like and that's the other thing too in this version of Death House um they were doing experiments on people but it was to eradicate evil they were it, trying to yeah take mm-hmm. that evil portion of people out of their brains and just make everybody like I guess robots but not for a means
1: of like a weapon yeah so it's probably loosely based on it you know beastmaster classic film they put the booger in your ear and you're fucked man right (laughs) Uh, you know we got don on the show we got don on the show through the panels but we got to get him on the show to talk about his whole career i'm reading the book as we speak his book so as soon as i'm done with that we'll get him on that'll be cool
0: yeah, and I, I wouldn't mind reading that, too, just so I can, uh...
1: Ooh. I, want,
0: I like to read. It's just finding the time to do it. <laughs> that's, well,
1: no, we got nothing but time now, you know. I got to pick up Mick's book. I, I'm looking forward to reading that. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, but, yeah, you know, his career continued on. He was in The Arrival in 1991, he was, so he's still going pretty strong. The Arrival with, you know, Charlie Sheen, Future AIDS Patient. Um, the, the 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 scene that I remember the most from Arrival is I want to say there was a scene of an, him chasing an alien and like it jumping off of a building or up onto a building and um, like the the legs bending the wrong way and I remember at that age seeing that being like oh shit so it was well, crazy. you know that hurt it always whenever I do it it hurts me so it should hurt him. You know he was a, he was a he was in an episode of Monsters. Do you recall Monsters? Did you ever watch that?
0: I remember it, but I don't rem- I remember the name. I don't mm-hmm. know if I ever actually watched it.
1: It's on, I think, Amazon Prime right now. For anybody who has it, I have the DVD of it because I remember uh, a couple years ago they put it out on DVD, which was nice. Um, but I-, I watched. Well, what's power?
0: Power is restored. I might. I'll, I might have to. You know get on prime and check it out because i'm always like i love to watch things i've never seen before because you know you there's only you can only watch the same movies over and over so many times before it's like all right i need something fresh i need something more because you know it's like i the more i watch movies now i pick them apart and like every time you watch a new movie you, you know you watch something you go something different every time you watch it. So to watch something fresh and see it for the first time makes a big difference when it's, you know, from somebody that you grew up watching in movies anyway.
1: Yeah. And I'm a sucker for, like, those those television horror story things. Because uh, that Monsters was kind of like a little more PG version of, like, Tales from the Crypt. You know what I mean? And, you know, I love that yeah. Outer Limits, Twilight Zone... Tales from the Crypt, Monsters, I even dug the Goosebumps, uh, show, um...
0: Freddy's Nightmares. Freddy's
1: Nightmares, Are You Afraid of the Dark, I dug the fuck out of, um... You know, just, I, 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 I you know, I'm a sucker for that type of deal, you know what I mean? I, th- I always find, uh, an, an entertainment in the old horror stories, you know? So, but yeah, this dude... Yeah,
0: yeah. The older horror stuff, is always, it's a lot better than the newer horror. Like, I it's, wonder what his reaction was. You know, it, it'd be nice to be able to sit and pick his brain about, you know,
1: yeah.
0: perhaps a career that, that extensive. You know, to find out how it was to adapt with the times and the way that the films were done and you know, the whole process.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would been...
0: He went from, you know, he started acting in the 50s and was still doing it up until he passed. You know, he saw a lot. He saw a lot of changes, you know, so it'd be interesting to know how he felt when those changes all came about.
1: I would love you know, to, from like... Uh, I would love to have interviewed him. That would have been, it would have been great to have had him on the show because we could have, yeah, sat down with him. Um... For so long, it probably would have been bad for his health. You know what I mean? And yeah. talk about everything, but his career, the Hollywood around him, you know. I'm sure he had stories for days.
0: Uh, oh, my God. That would have been an interesting book to read. I wonder if he had a book. He could have, you know. Most people do, but I don't remember seeing anything in, in my uh, researching, but... You know, I could have overlooked it very easily because it was just so much information on everything he's done, and it was like great. Yeah,
1: if you're if you're listening to this and you are uh, an iconic horror person in any way, um, and you don't want to write a book, I think you should record. You should record talking to a recorder because. The things that you live through and all those cool situations and stories are, uh, that happen making these films that we love is, uh, you know, horror history, you know. And once these people are gone, it's, uh, you know, the, story, it. the stories are leaving with them. That's what's so cool about doing, like, the podcast is that, like, we can take an hour and a half with somebody to, like, catch some time, catch some stories and all that, and that, yeah, it's up forever. I mean, it's, it's up now. And... Um, you know, you, you know, it's beautiful, it's beautiful, clap, clap, very nice, so, exactly, you know, which is awesome, you know, in the mid, he was, he was still banging out, like, Hollywood films in the mid-90s, with Beverly Hills Cop 3, and Wes Craven's New Nightmare, like you brought up earlier, so, like, you know, and From Dust Till Dawn, a couple years later, in 1996, so it's like, he was still being shown respect, you know, of course, and from from Dusk Till Dawn, you're gonna catch a lot of respect in that crowd anyways, you know, you got Rodriguez and Tarantino, which are big, you know, don't mind showing that they're fanboys, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, Harvey, you got Harvey Keitel, Danny Trejo, Tom Savini had a role in that, um, Julia, Juliette Lewis, like, that, Selma Hayek, like, that was just like a beyond phenomenal cast of
1: people yeah it was good so that had to be
0: like a dope set to be
1: on oh i would love to have been on that set and it was like the cool it's the cool the cool like those movies i remember being all the cool kids yeah well that's what it kind of was like of hollywood i felt at that time you know what i mean it was like watching the cool kids get together and do their thing and um like i remember it was was, when they were doing the horror brat pack yeah well you know like I think of like the independent filmmakers of the 90s that really jumped off and it's kind of like the last big leap I think of a group of uh indie filmmakers that did it you have you know Tarantino Rodriguez, Kevin Smith, Linklater, you know what I mean um you could put Spike Lee in there I think but I think he was a little earlier um but he kind of fits into that category but um yeah, you know, From Dust Till Dawn was great. Like, I remember at the time that came out, that just being, like, so cool to fucking watch, you know what I mean? That, yeah, that was kind yeah of the it hey was day. something, it was
0: fresh. It wasn't, It was really like, fun,
1: yeah. It was really fun. Like, it tar- wasn't
0: Freddy, yeah, it wasn't Freddy, it wasn't Jason, it wasn't Michael Myers, it was Vampires, the, the fact that they used, like, a roadside bar that, you know, was frequented by bikers, you know, it just like, everything, the way they brought it all together, it was, like you said, at the time, that was, like, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah,
1: you know what I mean? I mean, they're keeping it fun, too. I mean, much like John Saxon, you know, uh, people that might not get full credit that they deserve because their movies aren't dramatic films or whatever, you got to look back and appreciate the fun that they brought to an audience because I could remember watching... You know, that era of Rodriguez's films and Tarantino's films, like, it was a real situation, it was a real thing, you know what I mean? Like, going to the theater to see them was, like, the thing to do. It was just cool. It was, you know, it was, it was really starting to, it was, we were at that perfect age where, you know, you were starting to be able to go to the theater more on your own and go see what you want to see. And it was, like, the time when they were, like, kind of really breaking out. And uh, it was really a fun time, you know what I mean, for film. You know what I mean, and, and much yep. much yeah. is to say the same about John Saxon and his gigantic body of work. You know what I mean. Uh, hope, but I'm hopefully I've been seeing him get respect now that he's passed, which unfortunately that's kind of what it takes in certain situations. Yeah, um, I mean it's always
0: posthumous, and like that kind of sucks in in some respects because he should have gotten the credit.
1: Yeah, he at does the time. That. Yeah. But it's better late than never, you know. Some people never get it, which is really unfortunate. But what can yes, you do? Yes, very know? true. From Dust Till Dawn, baby. Yeah, that's such a cool flick. And George Clooney at his ultimate, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I know. I kind of I forgot to mention him when I like started going through all
1: the list, and then I'm like, oh, I forgot about Clooney. Like, it's like, how do you forget Clooney? <laughs> I was like, a, I was like a little preteen, like early teen, fat kid who wanted to get like that fucking tattoo, like that neck into shoulder tattoo he had, rocking that thing like a king. That was uh, oh hell yeah! He made that. He he made that tattoo. would have thought that was
0: like really
1: his. Was the shit. That tattoo was the bomb great I, uh, from Dust Till Dawn great uh, great flick great soundtrack
0: too I got the soundtrack as well yeah that really was like like you said again at the time like you could not beat that film
1: mm-hmm. he returned to work with uh, Dario Argento in the, uh, again with uh, the Pelts segment or uh, episode of uh, Masters of Horror did you get into the Masters of Horror? See, that's another thing with, like, Tales from the Crypt and Monsters that I, I, I'm i a sucker for that stuff, man. I own them. I love them. You know, I break them out from time to time to watch them. You know, the concept of them's great. You, you bring them back, all these Masters of Horror from yesterday's past to make these new hour-long films. You know, in a lot of cases, it was the first time you were seeing filmmakers make things in a long time. Like, I want to say, when, when John Carpenter did Cigarette Burns, that was the first time we've seen a John Carpenter film in a long time.
0: Yeah, I've seen a, I've seen a few episodes here and there, but I haven't, like, watched everything within
1: that. Yeah, there's two seasons, I believe. Um, good stuff, it's a good watch. There might even, I don't think there was three, I think it was just two. But yeah, that's definitely a good watch. You can probably find that on some streaming site. I gotta get yeah a my day. that's been
0: that's kind of been my goal throughout yeah. covid I've been trying to like when I'm streaming a movie I'm trying to find movies that I haven't seen before mm-hmm. that are older that I could have overlooked because at the time I was either too young or you know it wasn't something that mom and dad were interested in so I never got to see it so I just never ever bothered
1: yeah no I'm with you you know what I mean So he returned and worked with Dario again on that. So him and Dario must have been cool. They must have been cool in the gang over there, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, because you don't, you know, I mean, you see a lot of that nowadays where directors will use the same cast and different features, but there's obviously a reason why. So, you know, that just says something for his work as well. When someone, especially... As big of a name as like Dario Argento uses you several times in different features.
1: You know, you gotta bring them back. You like them, you do it. You know, he's in some classic westerns too for anybody out there that digs westerns Appaloosa, yep. um, Joe Kid, Death of a Gunfighter, you know, some good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, a very well rounded career you know great body of work you know a body of work he left behind a body of work that i think people should you know thrive to have. everybody it credits he
0: all his work there you, there's something for everybody it doesn't matter what age you are you will find something that he is in that you will like mhm which is also you know not something that's you know quite common, because so many people get stereotyped now, so you know, you play a bad guy in one movie, you're going to be a bad guy in every movie thereafter, yeah. so you know, he you could see him you know, in a western, or see him in, in, in an Italian piece, or a horror movie, or a TV show, no matter what, there was something that was going to grab your attention.
1: Well yeah, I mean, He's been a part of some legendary TV shows, too, which is nice. But that's what I always appreciate with the filmmakers, that, you know, I said before, it's not a... If, if you only do the same genre, that's fine, but I kind of take a little more uh, appreciation to filmmakers to kind of jump around and do different genres. Um, like, I prefer... That's what I attempt to do, you know what I mean? Because I'm a fan of all genres. And um, the same thing for an actor, you know what I mean? Jumping around... Acting in different,
0: different yeah. It it just makes it better for your. It just makes it better for your work because it shows everybody that that you have variety and that you know you can put out a project from every aspect and get someone in every genre to enjoy your films or in you know if or your TV show or what have you.
1: Yeah. You You ever see *Cannibal Apocalypse*?
0: I have not. I actually have it on one of my queues. I just don't remember which one it was in. I was Like I said, I've been looking for obscure movies that I haven't seen that are older. That, and that came across one of my feeds.
1: Yeah, that might be Amazon. Uh, that was the Antonio Margarete film I think you brought up earlier. But, uh, yeah, you know... He's, uh, he did it big, you know. I remember the first time I re- really recall him, much like a lot of probably people listening, was, of course, A Nightmare in Elm Street, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: So I don't know and like I said, my, my
0: first memory of him was Blood Beach. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. So, you know, that movie,
0: movie used to give me nightmares, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well... It's one of those things, you know. Um, if I was at a blood beach, I would I would have nightmares as well. You know, it's a horrifying thing. It's a horrifying
0: thing. Oh, it's funny too because like I remember when they revamped Blood Beach, and I'm yeah. like, oh my god, the version with John Saxon is so much better. Yeah. You know, because they, they 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 cornballed it too much. So you know, I laughed more than I was scared. That is true.
1: Yeah, I put a little, little extra corn in the recipe, a little more than needs to be there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get it. You want to add a little bit of comedy to a horror movie just to lighten the mood, but don't go overboard with it. You know, kind of leave the tones somewhat similar to the original without, you know, killing the movie. You can't call it a reboot or if it's completely different from the original.
1: Yeah true have you ever seen the psycho reboot the show the, the movie that was uh like shot for Vince, shot Vince Vaughn Vince Vaughn yeah and uh Gus Van yeah Van I'm Van. not a fan Gus Van Sant who's very uh hit or miss himself as a filmmaker um yeah that was like it just it was so lazy. I felt it was very lazy filmmaking. He goes, his excuse was, "Well, Psycho is so classic and great as is. Why change anything?" And for anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about, Gus Van Sant, very artistic, uh, like indie director, did a reboot of uh, Psycho late 90s, early 2000s, I think it was, and he it was a shot for shot exactly the same. I think might have been, it might have been color instead of black and white. But, it, like, all the yep. camera work and everything was the exact same. Um, and his excuse was, it's so perfect, why do I change anything? Which I just felt was kind of lazy. Um, well, the way I see it is that if it
0: was so perfect, why bother making it well, over? Well, that's the
1: thing. Don't take the job if it's so perfect, you know what I mean? If, if you don't want to change anything, don't take the job, you know what I mean? Just pass
0: on. Yeah, leave the it the alone job, and... But. Let somebody, if somebody's going to reimagine it, let them do it and see where they take it. But don't, like you said, don't do it shot for shot, just using different actors and, you know, a modern time.
1: Gus Van Sant, director of Goodwill Hunting, which will always hold a special place in my heart. And do you know what else he directed? Another film special in my heart, To Die For. With Nicole Kidman and a young Hakeem Phoenix. You know what I mean? Great film. <laughs> yep. Drugstore cowboy. I'm a fan of, uh, you know, there's a lot of his films that I enjoy. You know what I mean? My own private Idaho. I just, um yeah, I don't know. I thought that was a bad move on his part. But what can you do? He made the decision and he had his reasons. He had his reasons, Mad Mel. So, yeah, um, I know, it would be as bad as they may have been. So, our big our, our dude, our man of the hour here, John Saxon, uh, 83 years old, died of pneumonia. Pneumonia got him. Um, yeah, or at least it
0: wasn't
1: the COVID. At least it wasn't the COVID. I'm hearing less and less it about stuck. the COVID. Oh, definitely, you know. In Tennessee, he...
0: Wish him an early happy birthday in heaven.
1: Yeah, he gravitated from Brooklyn to Tennessee throughout his existence. And yeah, July 25th, uh, shortly before his 84th birthday. You know what I mean?
0: And even that, there was a discrepancy um, with his age. They said he was... eight Because um, I guess he lied about his age because he was so young when he started Mm -hmm. that it said he was... A lot of things... When he passed, said he was already eighty-four, that he was going to be eighty-five, but he was actually eighty-three and going to be eighty-four tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that's that whole thing with um, sharing a sharing a birthday with a very special person. Mad Mel.
0: No, not really.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but but um the um yeah it was weird like the because the, you had to be eighteen. You know what I mean? They do this so people would lie about their age for acting It's great. People used to lie about their age to get into the Army, which is crazy. Like, they're sorry yeah. to die. my
0: grandfather lied about his age to get into the Marine
1: Corps. What so, pride? you know... So Look at the flip side of the country in that. You had such pride that the youth was r- running away and doing anything they could to give their life uh, for the country and die for their country. And then right now, it's like... And now People they eat tie pots. Taking shits on the flag, you know what I mean, in the middle of the street. Yeah, just, just it's a, completely disrespectful. Uh, it's a weird, yeah, it's such a weird, it's a weird time, and a flip, a flip, and a flam to the fling flang, you know. Um, yeah, I'm kind
0: of, I'm kind of scared to see what you know these pro- kids bring to this world.
1: they <laughs> will probably sway back in the other direction eventually. I think it's a weird. It goes, things go extreme, then they go not so extreme, and it, it kind of teeters back and forth. Um, and as it extreme as it gets, now it'll return to back. You know, and you just gotta be. You gotta hold out for the normalcy moments of when it's in the middle, when it's swaying back and forth. That's all you can really you do. Know. That's all you can really do. But uh, yeah, the late great John Saxon. Very sad uh, to see him pass on. You
0: know. Yeah, definitely. He was uh like you like you say. He was a very. He was a great talent, and you know when you've got. Fifty years worth of experience over seven decades like
1: how many actors and actresses can say that nowadays well it's true I mean you know actress you know an actress that's going to be gigantic realistically if you I'm trying to think of an actor Kevin Hart's the only actor I can think of that in the last five years kind of has popped up became a name and hasn't disappeared like A lot of, even like like an Amy Schumer or something like that, that's kind of popped up into a Russell Brand.
0: Uh, Let me try and think of some. There really isn't even any action. Yeah, it's like they had their 15 minutes, and then that's it. They're all done for now. You hear nothing from any of them anymore.
1: Your action stars are, are rotated out quickly. Um, comedy stars are rotated out pretty quickly. I mean, you have your people that... You have, like, your Sandlers and such, which Sandler's even on Netflix now, so it's not even doesn't really even relate to him. But you've got your big people that do <clears throat> those big Hollywood comedies that have been doing them for 20 years or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really even say that. Nope. You know what I mean, but... Yeah, it's just hard to kind of stick around, and I think it's realistically a money thing. At the end of the day, I think it's more of a... They, 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 they rotate them out so much, so it's a power and money thing, so they don't have... If you if someone stays in a position long enough, uh, they can start asking for more power and more money, and I think that's why they usher these people out so much. The studios do, because that way, fuck it. If, if, if he's concerned about, you know... If Matt Fisher's worried about doing DJ Stand the Man too and not being thrown in the street, then he ain't gonna complain about this. You know what I mean? So I think that's how they look. Right. At, I think that's how they look at things, where it's like, yeah, yeah, you want to, because every filmmaker wants to be like working a, a, a long. They want to be worth their.
0: They want to be worth their weight in
1: gold. They want to have a long career of a body of work that has the people that people are entertained by and enjoy. You know what I mean? That's why I think anybody who makes films, that's what they want. They want to be able to, at the end of it, say, okay, I put out all, I put out these films, um, and people, you know, people get enjoyment and entertainment out of them, you know? I mean, the only, that they after we're dead and gone, they can, they can stick around. It's like our legacy, you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things. As long as there's somebody to push to push the film, they'll always be
0: around. You know, I mean? they'll always be a will always be a, a fan base for it. So
1: that's why, luckily, John Saxon's films are all got good distribution deals, and um, you can see them. You, you'll always be able to see them, and his legacy will live on. And uh, that's all you can really ask for this day and age, because a lot of legacies. Legacies aren't being handed out Like they used to be folks So get them all Nope sure not
0: You're lucky if you get your 15 mm-hmm. minutes
1: They they switched it to 3 minutes now They lowered it
0: <laughs> Right seriously 3 minutes and you have to And then buy- When you, see, you, when you to- see the movies You understand why they only get 3 minutes You get 3 minutes and you have
1: to buy 2 expensive drinks while waiting in line That's how it goes now <laughs> But What can you do you know you want to play the game. Exactly. You play the game. But yeah, so yep, you have w- to take the good with the bad. Is there uh, anything else you want to you want to say about good old John?
0: I, you know, it's it's sad, you know, because God only knows where, you know, what his next role would have been or where, you know, his career would have taken him. But I guess it's better than the alternative. You know, being sick constantly. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah. kind of sucks because we've lost a lot of great icons.
1: Well, I wonder if he was a smoker. I wonder if that's what got him with the pneumonia.
0: Yeah, he doesn't necessarily even have to be a smoker; just being around one.
1: Ooh, murder! Someone murdered him.
0: Secondhand, yeah. Secondhand smoke is worse than dealing with you know, um, actually smoking the cigarette, so, you know, you never know, breathing in, secondhand smoke, that was for the
1: Juggalo fan base out there, we got, for the Juggalos that listen to our show, uh oh, the tornado just picked you up, are you still there?
0: I, yeah, I just cracked the window in my car. It's getting a little hot in here. Was say, it <laughs> so there's like, a lot
1: more noise now. I thought the tornado took you out the window.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, I had to open the car. I couldn't breathe anymore. <laughs> Breathing in.
1: Secondhand smoke.
0: Yep, we needed some fresh air. I
1: dig it. So, you know, uh, there'll be no more John Saxon and Nightmare on Elm Street films. Um, we'll be seeing him really anywhere, you know, hopefully the Academy Awards will remember him in the memoriam. I think they might remember him. It's kind of crazy every now and then you'll see them miss somebody that they really shouldn't have missed. They shouldn't miss anybody. Like when Sid,
0: Sid, like when Sid
1: passed away, they forgot about Sid. Horrifying. Like, Sid's a dude that is very much like John Saxon, I feel or like a Robin Forrester. yeah, he had a
0: wide array,
1: like a Robin Forrester type that de- yeah, like even they did mention Forrester, but like yeah, they're they're of the caliber that they've they've had decades of uh, gigantic bodies of work, you know, um big list of films and they on their bodies of work that'll be remembered in fifty years, you know, like movies that matter type shit to go to say something terrible, movies that matter, um, yeah, but like bigger.
0: You know what yeah, because I mean? like, there's not too many movies out
1: there now that you know, are, or are mem- that memorable. Yeah, I mean they're out there, but you really gotta find, you gotta go look hunting them. You know, you literally have to dig them out, dig them. Which you know, some would say that's part of the fun, but that's a young man's game doing all that digging. I don't want to go digging and find that I want to. Everybody send their the good horror movies to Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. Hit us up
0: on right. The Facebook. Right, gather, gather our list and send it to our email at shocktreatment2018 at gmail.com. And that way we can put together a list of our viewers' favorite movies.
1: If you send your movie, we will watch and review for Shizzle. we get get enough movies, we'll do a big review show where we just kind of roll through the movies.
0: Yep, get them out there. and That way people can already, you know, be looking forward to when they come out. Or view them if they already are out.
1: Yeah. It's true. You know what I mean? But, yeah, so, uh... I guess with that, we'll, uh... We'll wrap it up. Because, uh... You know, our respect has been paid, and uh, we just wanted to take a little bit and pay some tribute, respect, talk about the man, the myth, the legend, John Saxon. Um, very sad, you know. Long life, long career. Uh, Eighty-three, almost eighty-four. Large in the building. You know what I mean. So that's yep. that's a plus. But uh, yeah, with that, I guess I'll say adios. And, and uh, if anybody else is dealing with this. Storm right now in the East Coast. Be safe. Be safe out there, and uh, we'll catch. Yep. We'll catch y'all. Catch you all, catch on, you all on,
0: the,
1: on the next episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Marty. <laughs>